Good morning, everybody, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, August 28, 2016. The share ID for Friday, August 26, is 9030. This morning, A Vision for You presents a practical program of action. Enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare. The 12 steps as outlined in the big book, represent a process of spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. The big book was written as a set of directions for doing the steps quickly and effectively. It's not a book of theory or philosophy. It offers a clear step-by-step approach for your recovery. Most of us have come to Overeaters Anonymous as a result of the hopelessness, frustration, and despair we experience in our disease of compulsive overeating. We come to OA looking for a way out, a solution which will free us from the bondage, pain, and suffering of our affliction. OA stands for the proposition that the 12 steps give us freedom from the bondage of food and the bondage of self. However, this is not a quick fix. Simple but not easy. Recovery is not an overnight matter. The exciting thing about the 12 steps is that they teach us how to live. Once we know the design of living and the principles of living a successful life, we find that we not only get over the problems we see, but we avoid many other problems we would have had. The miracle is that all of this was boiled down into 12 simple steps which anybody can apply. Joining us today to speak on this topic is Larry Kay, a beloved recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago, Illinois. Larry is committed to the 12-step way of life and to guiding and teaching others how to do the same. Welcome to the line, Larry. Star one to unmute. Ah, got it, got it. Good morning, Leah. Can you hear me okay? Yes, indeed. Okay, okay. Thanks so much. Thanks for the uh, getting us started and for your service. So, yeah, I like what, what Leah shared there, you know, just as kind of a precursor to, to precursor to what I was what I'm going to talk about this morning. So I'm Larry Kay. I'm, I'm a recovered uh, compulsive reader from the Chicago area. And I'm, I'm happy to report that I have not found it necessary to consume any of my binge substances um, since having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. And that, that happened a number of years ago. But I, I'd like to tell you, I, you know, I came in and, uh, you know, I wandered into these rooms and then, boom, you know, I just embarked on these steps right away. You know, I was desperate and I was ready and you know, and, and, and the rest is history. And that, that's just not my experience. You know, maybe yours is different, but I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about mine. Um, you know, I, I am down about, uh, you know, approximately 100 pounds from, from my highest weight when I, when I got here. Um, I'm about 5'10", 170 pounds. I only, you know, pretty much weighed myself, you know, perhaps once a month or so. It, it definitely, when I got here, you know, my problem or so I thought was, was weight and, and was food. Uh, that was my problem. Of course, I, I felt that I knew 
exactly what my problem was and 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 you know it seemed to me that there perhaps there were some some other people in in OA um that had a similar problem and some of them seemed to have uh have changed uh and mostly what I was paying attention to was their physical changes and um and those physical changes um attracted me first and 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 you know over time you know I I I learned other things about this process of change and about the actions that they took and about, you know, the manner that they were living now, um, you know, and, and, you know, here's something else that I'll tell you. I'm also happy to report to you that despite lots of calamity that, that has come in my life from time to time, because, hey, let's face it, life is going to happen. You know, one of the things you may hear in programs is, you know, life happens on life's terms. And yes, that is, is indeed true. My you know the, the the things that go on in my life today, the things that come, uh, they, um, you know, there, there are challenge, challenges. There's death. There's sickness. There's illness. But I, one thing that I'm happy to report is that despite the calamity that comes my way, uh, since the time that I, that I received this this gift of freedom, as a result of this practical program of action, we hear it time and time again. Despite that, um, I've been happy, joyous, and free. Uh, I have been happy, joyous, and free. I'm, I'm not um, sober today, abstinent today, but miserable, you know, wishing, you know, battling with the food and the substances and all those behaviors. I, I, I'm no longer battling with that. That's, that's one of the promises that we, we read about, that the problem will be solved, and, and it has for me today by the grace of God. And so with, with God's grace, you know, I have the opportunity, hopefully, to be of service to you this morning. You know, that's my wish. You know, I, I pray that, that the God of my understanding will help me to be of maximum service to, to, to this, this God and to those about me. And that's, that's how I try my best to live my life today. So, you know, the, 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 the presentation, if you will, this morning is, yes, enthusiasm is common. Uh, yet endurance is rare, and uh, and that that for sure was was my experience coming in here, and uh, and I see I, I see that in others that that it seems to me that a lot of people come into this program with a great deal of enthusiasm, you know, um, in the field of education, which I'm a part of, um, it's one of the things that I do, um, you know, we've learned that um, research has shown us that among students. Um, IQ was not the only difference between the best and worst students. You know, some of the very, probably isn't surprising to you that some of the very best performers, the best students did not have necessarily stratospheric IQ scores. And conversely, some of the smartest students in terms of, of let's say, IQ, they don't perform so well in school. And, you know, it turns out that perhaps the greatest predictor of success in a whole variety of endeavors isn't IQ. And it isn't, I'll tell you that it isn't social intelligence. And it's certainly not good looks. Nor is it, is it even being raised by two parents. Although some of those things, you know, can, can be helpful. No, it was, it was something that we call grit. And grit, what we've come to learn is... Um, and, and I want to mention this because that is part of the topic, is, is what, what it's going to take in this program, at least in my experience. Grit is, is passion and perseverance for in, in this, this, this pursuit, this, this long-term lifetime goal. Grit is having stamina in the face of struggle, 
and it's it's sticking with with the future day in and day out. You know, we hear one day at a time, not just for the week, not just for the month, but for years, for a lifetime. Grit is about uh, survival in the face of, of calamity and challenge. And based on my experience, you know, I would suggest to you, with this program, because that's what we're talking about, with this program in mind, I would suggest to you that grit is most certainly intertwined with this movement from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence, however you define the God of your own understanding, that somehow the grit that's required is intertwined with that movement. It, it, it certainly was for me, and it continues to unfold. And grit is, is living life more like it's a marathon. That's what this program is. It, it is, you know, I've heard Leah and I've heard other people share, which is a sentiment that, that I really agree with that captures it, that that program, you know, is no longer something that I just do to get an effect, to get a result that I, from this seemingly, you know, we hear this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Program is no longer something that I do, but but it really is, program is something that I am. It is embedded in in, in the very fabric of who I am. And, you know, the, in trying to be of service to you this morning, you know, obviously I, I, I'm devoted. The big book and the text, our text is what got me well. That, that's part of my story. It's unequivocally part of my story. The text precisely is what got me well. And so for me to carry a message, you know, to try to be of, of service to you is I'm going to focus on on perhaps helping you to gain more clarity as, as others helped me to gain more clarity around three really critical concepts. And they're not, con they're not Larry's concepts, trust me. Because uh, Larry's concepts almost got me killed. I'm pr I'm, 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 I assure you it'll get you killed. So I'm not going to be offering Larry's opinions, although I have opinions, and I'd be happy to share with you my opinions. Um, addicts have opinions. I'm sure you have yours, I have mine. And, and sometimes they could be good opinions. But what I'm going to share with you this morning is, uh, is the facts as laid out in this text, because that's what got me well. And, you know, these three critical concepts, the first concept is around this alcoholic mind associated with the compulsive reader, what it is, and getting the opportunity to diagnose yourself. You know, do you have this problem? What's wrong with you? And is what's wrong with you this alcoholic mind? Because it was for me, no question. So the first concept can be boiled down to, you know, what's the problem? Because, you know, you may have heard it said, I have, if you don't know what the problem is, well, you know, sort of any solution that you happen to find, and I search for them all, is going to get you there if you really don't know what the problem is. You need to know what the problem is. So what is the problem? And the second concept is, you know, what's the solution to this problem? And the third concept is, how in the world are we going to bring this solution to light? How do you make that solution happen, which, of course, is, is deliberate action? So, and, and these are the three things you're going to need for recovery. And quite frankly, those are the three things that anybody in the world needs to solve any problem. What is the problem? What is the solution to that problem? And how do we bring that solution to light? And now, be, because there's been an unbelievable watering down of our basic message, over the course of time that, that AA and, and, and OA has been in existence. 
you know, there has leaked into our rooms an immense amount of, of misinformation surrounding the, these three essential concepts, the problem, the solution to the problem, and how in the world are you going to bring that solution to light? And, you know, if you're going to apply grit to this program, we're going to need to, to drill down to just what those are. And, and that misinformation that is in the rooms, and I don't speak disparagingly, my goodness, I love Overeaters Anonymous. I'll go to any meeting, anytime, and Overeaters Anonymous, by phone, in person, love it, okay? But, but that misinformation, that erroneous information, considering that we're dealing with a life and death proposition here, right? We're not, we're not playing here. This is a life or death proposition. I'm sure, statistically speaking, that there may be someone on the line that's dying right now. You may not have taken your last breath yet. There's that death, but you're the walking dead, and I know exactly what that feels like. And, and, you're, and, and you know, I, I know that I will die someday, as we all will, but I don't want to die of this disease. And, I, and, and, and as long as I uh, stay on this beam of recovery, which isn't hard, that I, I won't. So this misinformation, this erroneous information, considering, again, that we're dealing with this life and death problem, when it comes to compulsive overeating and other addictions, that erroneous information, see, it serves to do more than just be of a, a, a detriment to you. Frankly, it may serve in killing you. It's deadly information. That, that's the problem. It's deadly information. And therefore, it stands to reason that it's, it's uh, integral that we understand the facts, you know, what the program of action is, what it isn't. And, and I want to be clear, when I say the facts, I'm not talking about my opinion. Because like you, you know, as I said, I have lots of opinions, and, you know, I can share those with you. But here's the thing. My opinions will not get you well. My opinions will not get you well. They didn't get me well. Nobody's opinions will get you well. And quite frankly, as I mentioned, the opinions of addicts are not particularly hard to come by. You can go to, you can go to bars and bakeries for that. Uh, but, but the idea of the rooms is not for you to get people's opinions. With that said, you know, you're going to find OA littered with people who will these days, who will give you opinions and frame them as facts. And, and we hear it all the time. And, and that is going to be very dangerous for someone who is a real compulsive overeater like me. You know, so, um, and we've heard different things, and they're well-intentioned things, you know. But how in the world, you know, one or two, if, if you get these opinions framed as facts, something that doesn't, is not in the precise text and is not congruent with the precise text that gets people well, that's been getting people well since it was published largely unchanged since 1939, you know, and you hear these things framed as facts. Like one of the things that I heard, you know, I heard, you know, keep coming back, you know, sort of wait for the miracle to happen. And so I did. So I did. Because people, people loving people with some with authority, some who had been sober for a long period of time, they were in, uh, you know, an attractive body, which I wanted. They seemed to speak with authority. Keep coming back, Larry. Just keep coming back. Wait for the miracle to happen. You know, and they said it with great enthusiasm and great intent. And, and so I did. I kept coming back. And I thought I had to work this harder. 
and I had to read this more diligently that there was, see, over time something happens and it happens to any human being. If you're getting erroneous information, however well-intentioned, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to get to the point where you just, over and over again, as I did, I don't care how disciplined you are, you're going to get to a point where you say, you know, I really suck at this. I'm really, really bad at this. I'm already feeling bad about myself. I can't stay out of the food, but I'm really bad at this. And some people will go away, and I've seen many. And if you've been around for a while, you've seen many. They've come to you with great enthusiasm, not necessarily, uh, you, you know, the ability to endure, but they're getting this information, and they come with great enthusiasm. But if you continue to hear things like that or some sort of magic associated with the tools, and I'm not here to disparage OA, and I'm not here to talk about, you know, uh, in, any, in any sort of derogatory fashion about the tools. The tools are essential. The tools are essential. I'm using them now. You know, we're using them now. We're on the phone. You know, I'm going to be, you know, talking a little bit about our literature. You know, I'm doing service. They're all tools, and they're good, and they're critical. But they were not designed. If there's one thing that sticks with you, please remember, the tools, I wish someone would have told me, Larry, the tools are not designed to get you well. The tools are designed to support you while you get well. What's going to get you well, my friend? And see, you can't deliver this message unless it happened to you. You can't in good faith deliver it unless it happened to you. But it's happened to me by the grace of God. And I can tell you, you know what? The tools, I don't care your IQ, I don't care what your background is, the tools are not going to get you well. What's going to get you well is following the directions in the text in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous precisely. You couldn't do it perfectly if you tried. So you might as well give up on that. But if you follow it precisely, and you better do it quickly because the, the race is on. I hope you didn't hear me say, do it, just go through it half-assed. That's not what I said. But you better do it quickly because there is a race. Because you need, you know, because that, as long as that obsession of the mind is alive and well, oh, it's not if you're going to pick up. Oh, you're going to pick up. It's really a matter of when. See, we, we, do need to, to, um, we do need to apply ourselves quickly. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But the, the, the thing is, is that, you know, this... So what I'm going to concentrate again is, is, is the facts as laid out in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Again, we hear it again and again. That is our basic text. And by doing so, my hope is that you can transition quickly from enthusiasm for this solution to the enduring walk day by day as a recovered compulsive overeater, where you're not in battle with the obsession every day, where you've experienced a somehow a spiritual transformation of change as a result of subjecting yourself to the to the to the steps as instructed in the big book and you experience this day by day change if you have a white light experience wonderful congratulations that's great i didn't mine they talk about they talk about it in the big book they talk about it in the appendix about the spiritual awakening as the spiritual experience as more of the educational variety that encapsulates what I experienced, more of the educational variety. But when it happened, while there wasn't some white light epiphany, light bulb above my head, got it, come to my graduation, everyone. No, there wasn't that. Somehow I knew. 
I knew, and maybe with a little bit of trepidation and hesitation, perhaps the God of my understanding, there was some confidence built in that approach, and I began to carry the message first with a little bit of trepidation, and over time, you, it, just, it just has evolved for me, and it continues to unfold and evolve. I don't believe the God of my understanding is through with me yet. I sure hope not. I don't think so. That's not the evidence that, I, that I'm presented with in this life. So somehow, 10, 11, and 12, we hear people talking in code about living in 10, 11, and 12. By the way, there's some pre- precise instructions about that as well in our big book. But it's not hard. It's not terribly hard to trudge this road of happy destiny. It's not. It really isn't. So this brings us squarely back to, to again, you know, the presentation topic. Enthusiasm is common. Endurance is rare. You know, when one is drowning, you know, think of someone literally drowning. I don't know if anyone's had the experience. I hope not. But that level of desperation, right, to say that this person is enthusiastic for a possible solution to their problem of death is perhaps an understatement. You know, you come to the party, eager, fervent, perhaps a glimmer of hope to find a solution. And you know, it's interesting. It's interesting to me. The instinct not to breathe underwater is so strong that it overcomes the agony of running out of air. No matter how desperate the drowning person is, he doesn't inhale until he's on the verge of losing consciousness. When you hear of talking about drowning, I've read about it, I've studied about the psychology of, of those types. I mean, that's a level of desperation, right? There's a gift of desperation there. At that point, there's so much carbon dioxide in in the person's blood and so little oxygen. There's kind of chemical sensors in the brain that trigger an involuntary breath, whether he's underwater or not. And they call that the break point. And there's tons of laboratory experiments that have shown the break point to come at about 87 seconds, more than you ever wanted to hear about the the notion of drowning. Let's bring it to reality. It's sort of a neurological optimism, as if the body were saying, you know, holding our breath is killing us, and breathing in might not kill us, so we, we might as well breathe in. And this process is filled with desperation and awkwardness. So, you know, I've read, you know, so you, you, people experience, so, so this is drowning, a drowning person might think. So th- this is how my life finally ends. Needless to say, when a drowning person gets to OA, using that metaphor, you know, The gift of desperation has them eager for a solution. Yet, again, if a well-intentioned person throws the drowning person a beautiful, shiny, glorious rock rather than a rope in which to pull themselves to be saved from the water, a life preserver, it's not going to be long before the person will give up. You throw them an anchor, they're going down. I don't care how beautiful it is. And by way of contrast, I'd like to take a stroll with you back to our, you know, for our purposes, say, to 1947. I don't know how I got from drowning to 1947, but come with me, okay? So you walk into a, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting in 1947. You're sick and suffering. You're dying from untreated alcoholism. And you stroll in for the first time, and here's basically what you could have expected to happen. First, when you come in in 1947, and I've, I've studied a little bit. I wasn't there, but I've studied. You would have been welcomed upon entering. You, you probably would have been embraced upon entering. 
you would have been uh, likely introduced to all the members of that respective group. And then you know what they would have done? They would have assigned you a sharing partner. So you would have been linked up with somebody. You know, a sharing partner, by the way, means the exact same thing as a sponsor. We didn't have the same terminology back then, and, and that's why you, you, you won't see the word sponsor appearing in the big book. But, you know, this whole, you know so this whole notion of searching out somebody, it, it didn't exist then. They would have linked you up with a sharing partner. And that sharing partner, that sharing partner would have sat you down and essentially would have told you the following. You know, he or she would have told you, look, I, I'm going to be your advocate over the course of, of, say, four sessions here. It's going to take place over the course of four weeks for about one hour per week. And what's going to happen tonight is we're going to go over the first three steps. So tonight, you're going to find out what's wrong with you in step one. You're going to find out what the solution to what, what's wrong with you in step two. And you know what you're going to, you're going to make, if you so choose, you're going to make an affirmative declaration in step three based on your understanding of the problem and the solution to your problem that you're ready to, to get to work. And then if you, if you decide to come back next week, assuming you, you come back, we're going to go over steps four and five. We're going to talk about a searching and fearless moral inventory. And, and, and that following week, you complete your inventory. You know, they're not messing around here. And then you and I are going to sit down and, and you'll complete step five with me. And then when, when you come back the, the, the following week, we're going to go over steps six, seven, eight, and nine. And, and you'll do your, your eight-step list, and you'll begin doing your nine-step. You'll begin making your nine-step amends. And when you come back during that, that following week, week four, you'll begin to practice steps 10, 11, and 12, at which point you're going to be a recovered alcoholic. And, and you're going you're gonna to learn how to, to, to maintenance and grow what you've been given by the program of, of recovery. And then naturally, you'll, you'll become a sharing partner for others. And of course, you know, at that point in the discussion, you had the opportunity to stay for that meeting that evening to begin the process. Or you might run like hell and, and go back to the disease and the disease is waiting for you. It's there. You go, go, go back to door number two. It's always there. And it's certainly your choice, right? And you know, that was unequivocally what was going on, from my understanding, from what I, you know, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but from what I can gather, that was unequivocally what was going on for the first quarter century of Alcoholics Anonymous. So the first 20 to 25 years of AA, that's how this message was essentially carried to suffering alcoholics. Now, I wonder why someone in this program probably doesn't remember. Some guy told me, hey, go, to, go to an AA meeting. Not that there's any magic in an AA meeting, but he said, you know what? They work the steps. Find yourself a good AA meeting. Of course, well, I'm not an alcoholic. Why don't I find an AA meeting? Of course, I, I was calling this guy because, you know, I, I didn't, you know, nothing was changing. Nothing was changing, and I'm, I'm, I'm working this OA program harder, and nothing's changing. He says, go find yourself an AA meeting. Huh. Well, that was good advice. That was some of the best advice I got. This is the first 20 to 25 years of AA. That's how this message was carried to suffering alcoholics. That's how this message was developed and put together by our pioneers and by our co-founders, which is another way of saying that's how it was intended to be done. That's how it has to be done 
That's how it was meant to. It's not, not, I should say, it's not how it has to be done, but that's how it was meant to be done. Now, let's cut to 2016. Here we are towards the end of August 2016. Uh, I don't know how you got here. You might have just kind of strolled on this line here. Here you are. You're a sick and suffering compulsive overeater. You may be dying from this untreated disease. Maybe you wander into an OA meeting for the first time. Uh, you may or may not be welcomed, depending on the meeting. They may or may not realize you're a, a new person. They may have a newcomer greeter. They may not. There may be no one look, you know, looking, looking out for, for such a thing, for new people. Uh, there's a very decent chance you may come into the room uh, like I did, find a seat in the back. I don't. I just. I'm gonna. You know, I don't want to run into anybody, uh, and and have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> I don't know if that was your experience. By the way, very beautiful, wonderful people, uh, well-intentioned people, and Overeaters Anonymous, right? But depending on what kind of meeting it is, and considering that topic and and discussion meetings outnumber literature meetings, uh, i.e. Uh, big book studies, uh, you get on vision for you. We, I don't know, we study uh, one or two paragraphs at a time of big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. But, you know, depending on where you, I think it's it's like seven to one in terms of these, these topic and discussion meetings, um, outnumbering literature meetings. Uh, chances are you're going to hear some, someone's story, which may or may not uh, resonate with you. And depending on the meeting, they may talk about the 12 steps, or you, or you may hear nothing about the 12 steps, really. Depending upon the meeting, they may talk about sponsorship. Uh, they, they may not talk about sponsorship. If they do talk about sponsorship, you, you may start the process of wandering around looking for a sponsor. Who knows how long that's going to take. And, and when you eventually find a sponsor, it's very possible that the sponsor will tell you, uh, that the 12 steps, which can save your life, can save your life, will take upwards of a year or more to work, during which time there's a very good chance you may relapse or die. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's what's going on in every OA meeting, because you may be like, that's not what's going on in my, my meeting. But I'm definitely suggesting that's what's going on in most of them these days. I've been to a few. So over the course of those first 25 years in, in our AA history, uh, you know, we maintained uh, an astonishing rate of recovery. In the last uh, 20, you know, last uh, 25 to 30 years, the rate of recovery, not so good. It's gone into the dumper. In OA, not so good in terms of our recovery rates. Recidivism, relapse, unfortunately, becomes the norm. Again, well-intentioned, beautiful people, of course. But, but it's amazing if we can pull, you know, a 5% rate of recovery in OA in a given year. That would be phenomenal. We're killing more people than we're saving. It's troubling indeed. It's tr but what a great opportunity too, right? It's troubling indeed. <laughs> you know, vision for you, uh, which, you know, which I, I love, um, you know, it's a great, wonderful thing. It's, it's very attractive to, to some people. They're hearing something different. We're just a bunch of people that are working the big book to the best of our ability. We're trying to learn from each other. I get, to, I get the opportunity to get on the line and learn, you know, from other people, get their insights, their experience. But we, you know, let's be clear. We're studying the 
precise instructions in the text, and, and we're talking about application and deliberate action. If you're not hearing deli deliberate action, if you're coming uh, to get entertained, I mean, you might get entertained here and there, but uh, you may die while being entertained. So the idea of a, a back to basics kind of meeting or the intense study of this practical program of action, you know, with enthusiasm, which we, we many of us come here with, uh, is important. You know, it's very important so you can engage in the process of getting well expeditiously. You know, on Roman numeral 13 in the fourth edition of the big book, in, in the, the forward to the first edition, it says, we of Alcoholics Anonymous. Notice the very first word is we. This is indeed a we program, not an I program. I can't, I, I can't get well. I can't get sober, get abstinent, but we can. We can. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered, not are recovering, have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So the state of mind and body wasn't hopeless after all. It was only seemingly hopeless. It's never been hopeless. So up until this book got published, people like you and I, we were doomed, screwed, you know. Now listen closely to this. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered, to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. So this book, our basic text, the main purpose, the very reason for its existence, the reason they wrote this book is to explain to you, the person just wandering in in 2016, precisely how they have recovered. And they are not using that word lightly. Not almost how we recovered. Let me tell you how we almost recovered until we fell flat in our face and they buried us six feet under. No how we recovered. We're not going to give you a vague idea of how we recovered and you sort of, you know, work your own program according to which way the wind's blowing. I mean, you can do that if you wish to. But the idea of writing the book was that after hundreds and hundreds, thousands of years of there being no solution for people like us, they found one. They found one. They knew what they had was unbelievably valuable. They realized that when worked precisely, the way it's laid out in our text, it worked every time. Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And I tell people, I've never, I've never seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed the path. It doesn't say perfectly followed the path, but thoroughly followed the path. Never seen that. If you worked it, if you worked it, and they wanted to preserve that, these, these pioneers. They wanted to preserve that, and they, you know, they realized, wow, if we don't put this down on paper, you know, sooner or later when, when we, because there was about 100 of them, approximately 100 of them at the time, a little less, who conspired in writing this book, when we're all dead, you know, 100 or 200 years down the road, this thing could get really watered down. People could really lose sight of what the message is. So let's, you know what, let's get all this down on paper. Let's offer precise instructions. Now, here's an opinion of mine. In my opinion, that's a divine message of hope. I think it was God-inspired. There's, there's my opinion. I don't speak for anyone but me. I think it was divine, a divine message of hope through deliberate action. And let's face it, we butchered it anyway. 
So God knows, you know, what, what would have happened had they not put it down on paper. That's why they put it down on paper so that you and I would know exactly how they did it. You don't have to come up with any solutions on your own. If something doesn't coincide with what's in the big book, uh, you know, I wouldn't do it. Run in the other direction. Let's do it exactly the same way and get it right. Now, for the message to get out, we created this fellowship. We organized. And frankly, we needed to organize. If we hadn't organized, it would still be, uh, you know, maybe five guys smoking cigars in Akron. So, so, so we needed to do this for the message to spread. And unfortunately, oftentimes with organization comes a, a watering down of quality. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever played the game telephone? I'm guessing you have. If, if we were actually going to play the game of telephone, I'd whisper a, a secret to Leah. Uh, Leah, you know, would share it with someone else. Eventually, that secret message would make itself around the room from one person to another. And finally, in the game of telephone, the last person receiving the secret message started from me to Leah. Um, they read it. Uh, they share it aloud. And what would happen to that message? Well, the nature of the game is that the original message will have changed. It may be a little bit different or it may be, you know, remarkably different, but it will change. So ask yourself, what's happened over the course of 80-some of years? Hundreds of thousands of AA rooms, uh, later OA rooms, millions of addicts. We, have, we love our opinions. They're like noses. I got quite a nose schnoz on me. Um, millions of addicts, many of whom, let's face it, they, they like to hear the sound of their own voice. <laughs> um, a lot of information has come into the rooms that is markedly different from what's in the, the, the big book. And, and what's in the big book is, is, you know, this isn't a bunch of random facts. These are directions on how to save your life. You know, maybe we've lost our way, so we need to get back to basics here. We've done, um, you know, in some ways a disservice to people by taking a simple program, a sim simple practical program of action, and, and embedding it with confusion, complexity, and sometimes uh, subterfuge. I don't even know what that means, but, you know, some trickery here, there, you know, indeed we have. And whenever I speak to, to anybody about the practical program of action today, um, you know, the, in the first 164 pages of our text, um, I try to speak my truth as I've experienced it and as I has been passed down to me and as I continue to experience it. Because today, getting back to, you know, uh, enthusiasm is common, endurance is rare. I, I get, you know, I'm out there, you know, there's, there's a lot of ladies out there, not as many male voices. You're, we're out there, us guys, we're out there, you know, but um, we can get intimidated and, um, and uh, you know, we're, we're already socialized to just, just do it and fix it and solve the problem yourself, but we're out there. But, you know, so I, I, get, I get it because I'm out there. I get to talk to people in pain, uh, physical and emotional pain will occasionally reach out to me as they, as they probably do to you. And there's a desperation in their voice. I hear you. I, I remember what that feels like. There's a desperation in your voice and your demeanor. And some of you are severely overweight. Others of you are severely underweight. You know, others, uh, others perhaps uh, have only experienced moderate physical consequences thus far. Uh, some, sad to say, may be suicidal. Others are, are seemingly normal in every respect. Uh, you know, we always want to think we're kind of normal, right? So, so we'll say, yeah, you're, you're, you're one of those people. You're normal in every respect. Perhaps they're, 
you know, they're like I was when I first arrived here, uh, dabbling in Overeaters Anonymous, dabbling, kind of, kind of the way, you know, kind of the way one calmly gravitates towards the self-help section at your local bookstore or your library. Have you done that? I've done that, you know, kind of gravitate over there. So while I've seen people with varying levels of desperation for this solution over the years, here's something that, that any recovered compulsive overeater who's intent on carrying this message, the message of hope in this book. Yes, enthusiasm is common for starters, yet endurance is rare. So, you know, it does take that grit that I was talking about. And it doesn't require a high IQ, nor does it require a commitment to blissful ignorance. It's simply going to take a degree of, of perseverance and passion as we trudge this, this, this uh, precise road, precise road of action towards this happy destiny. And it culminates in, a, in getting a promised result. And I want to tell you that promised revolt, uh, revolt there's some of that too, result uh, defies science. This program, you may hear, uh, th this program is not about science. I'm a lover of science, but I tell you it's not about science. Uh, this program defies our best intuition. See, the brain of mine, you know, that's been trained as yours has been trained. I've been to university. Uh, it, you know, this brain that I thought, this magnificent brain. Well, it, this brain convinced me to eat massive quantities of food in a darkened room day after miserable day. Don't think you're terminally unique. We're the same. You know, hoping against hope that I would stick to another cabbage soup diet. I bought a lot of cabbage. A lot of cabbage. Or that, that uh, this, this brain of mine convinced me that liposuction surgery was the answer, not once but twice. It was not. That wonderful brain, it led me to seek out, uh, you know, drugs to suppress my appetite. I think these folks in the Congo, I was convinced, came up with the they had the solution to suppress my appetite. That was it. That was where my brain led me, my thinking. That was my best thinking, this, this brain of mine. Um, my brain, I couldn't get home from work in the evening where I was teaching and shaping minds, right? Uh, I could, this brain of mine would not allow me to get home from work in the evening without stopping for some of my heroin at a drive through window. This went on for decades two decades to be precise. You know, the, it, this part, it may go against what you learned as a child. Um, here's the message I learned. Just do it, Larry. You're the master of your destiny, my friend. Seize the day. So I walk in here and at some point learn that, oh, I don't know, Larry, uh, how about you turn your will and your life over to the, the God of your understanding? <laughs> what, are you kidding me? Um, I'll, I'll take the wheel. Thank you very much. See, in fact, I, I had no experiential evidence to suggest this, this spiritual approach would work. You know, I was always a math avoider. All my life I was a math avoider. In mathematics, you know, from what I understand, a proof, this, this you know, having some sort of deductive argument for a mathematical statement, and, you know, you have theorems, and, you know, in principle, a proof can be traced back to uh, self-evident or assumed statements known as axioms, blah, 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 right? Um, and I, 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 you know, I believe in scientific methodology. You know, the scientific method is a process for experimentation that we use to explore observations and answer questions 
But even when modified, you know, the goal remains the same, to discover cause and effect relationships by asking these questions, carefully gathering the evidence and examining that evidence. You know, I thought I was so smart. I knew all about these processes. Seeing if all the available information can be combined into a logical answer, I felt very comfortable in that world. But all I can tell you about my personal experience with this program is it works. I, don't, I can't prove to you why it works, nor, frankly, do I have any desire to convince you of its efficacy. My only wish is to be of maximum service to God and to those about me. You know, on page 25 in the big book, I'm checking my time here, Leah. Um, on page 25 in the big book, the chapter appropriately entitled, There is a Solution. Huh, imagine that. We're reminded there is a solution. But almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings which the process requires for its successful con uh, consummation. I didn't like that. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we've come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by th those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We, fought, we found much of heaven and we, had been, we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. You know, there, I, I, there is a solution. I, I Self-searching, leveling of our pride. Give me a food plan, Mr. Thin Guy. I want to know what you eat. I'm going to eat what you eat. I, I swear, my first sponsor, he's, he's up there talking in front of all these people, you know, and with such truth and honesty, and he's in a thin body, and I, I was just amazed at this guy. I was amazed by this guy. And, and the stuff that he had been through in his life, he, they, he and his wife had lost a child, and I had a young daughter. I couldn't imagine, you know, I, I, I thought if that ever happened to me, if I ever contemplated that, Losing a child, I thought, well, I'm going to make a quick exit. Honestly, I, I, thought, I, I couldn't imagine. And here I'm hearing someone that went through life on life's terms and, and got through it. And by the way, you know, and, you know, I mean, his family, I mean, they, you know, they, they don't have a program. He has a program. He has a design for living that works for him. They don't. But, and I, but I, so one of the first things I did is I wanted to know more about this guy. But frankly, I wanted to, my scientific mind told me, we'll just do what he does. Well, I, don't, I didn't really want that. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, you know, I didn't really like the notion of self-searching, the leveling of my pride. I'm Larry, leveling of my pride, confession of shortcomings. Who the heck knows what that is? We'll get to that. Let me, let me, let me get rid of this, this weight first and this obsession that you talk about. I get that. Yeah, let me get rid of that first. Then I'll do some of this other fun stuff. You betcha. Take it away first, Daddy. Daddy, take away the suffering first. Then I'll, I'll, then I'll, I'll make time for all this. I wanted what I wanted. Hey, would you send me your food plan? Would you, would you do that for me? Guess what, Larry? You're not, you're not going to be able to follow his food plan. You're, you, there's, there's some work to be done, my friend. Yes, you're going to have to put down your heroin. Not about a diet. You couldn't follow his food plan if you tried. You couldn't follow anyone's food plan. You are, you're, your problem, the main problem centered in, in between your ears and your mind, Larry. 
You might have an allergy of the body, right? We learn in the doctor's opinion about the allergy of the body. But you got a far worse problem, Buster Brown. You got an obsession of the mind that's going to lead you back again and again and again to that syringe. Oh, you think your, your food, it's not like a heroin addict? Think again. If you're, if you're like me, if you're like me. You think you'll win out on the disease? You think you're going to get the right food plan? You couldn't try my food plan. There's no way. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. You have to put the food down and be willing to go through that uncomfortability and then embark on a precise program of action that leads to a change in fundamentally who you are because you couldn't deal with life on life's terms. You couldn't deal with the emotions. It was too much for you, my friend. You needed a power greater than yourself you can't understand it. You can't rationalize it. You can try to reason it and think it, and you could try to build a proof that it's going to work for you before you embark upon it, because I don't want to try anything until I know I want a crystal ball program. Give me the celebrity sponsor. Give me a crystal ball so that I know exactly how this fairy tale ends. Then I'll do it. Oh, Larry, it doesn't work that way. Oh, no, it doesn't work that way. You're going to have to engage in this. Yes, you're going to have to put your heroin down, and then you're going to have to engage in this, in this process of change, this self-searching, leveling of your pride. See, because it's not just doing the steps as if it's like magic. There's going to have to be with each sequential step. You are going to go through a process of change, fundamentally who you are from the ground up. And only through that process of change that you can't effectuate that yourself. You think you can job this program, buddy boy? Think again. It's not going to work for you. You're going to experience a change that the God of your understanding, whatever that is to you, is going to effectuate that change. You don't, you don't effectuate the change. You just chop your wood each day. Oh, yeah, the food has to be down. Yeah, yeah, right. You, you think you're going you're gonna to job the system here and, and just kind of play with your food? It doesn't work that way. But don't, don't take my word for it. The disease will convince you or it won't or you, you'll, you'll die an early death or you'll be like the walking dead. So this is, this is what, I, um, you know, what, I, what I realized um, in going through this. And I want to address, uh, you know, there's, we talk about, people ask, me sometimes, you know, about this notion of being recovered, and um, you know, the which side of the recovered recovering debate are you on? Well, that's like asking someone which side of the sun sets in the the east, uh, sun sets in the west debate. Which, which side of that are you on? We know where the sun sets. See, we hear again and again from the title page, Alcoholics Anonymous, the story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. Roman numeral uh, 13, I read, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. The man and over 100 others appear to have recovered. Page 17, we of Alcoholics Anonymous know thousands of men and women who were once just as hopeless as Bill. Nearly all, nearly all have recovered. Page 20, we have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. Uh, further on, page 29, further on, clear-cut, clear-cut directions are given showing how we have recovered. 
I can go on and on, but I'll just do one more. Page 44 and 45. If a mere code of morals, Larry, or, or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. So, you know, th- there is no debate. You, 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 there, was a, there was always the twofold nature of the disease. I started talking about the problem. We need to know the solution to our problem, and we need to know the mechanism in which to bring that solution to light. Well, you know, I start and talk, I talk to people about the doctor's opinion. You know, we spend time in there because Dr. Silkworth laid out, he was in a great position to know exactly what the problem was. Just didn't know what the solution was until Bill and, and then others began to experience the solution. The problem is the twofold nature of your illness. If you're like me, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And, um, and once we understand and really begin to internalize um, that whole issue with step one in terms of what our problem is, what our precise problem is, then in step two, we begin to slowly, for some of us, for me slowly, understand what the solution to our problem is. Coming to believe that a power greater than ourselves could, would restore us to sanity. And... And then ultimately, then how, how is it that we bring that solution to light, having had a spiritual awakening? How do we bring that solution to light? Well, once we make that affirmative declaration in the third step, we make an affirmative declaration to move forward with the action steps, to move forward with the actions that will produce an essential psychic change. In, in, in an individual that's willing, because you've got to provide the willingness, that's willing to, to embark on that. When that essential change happens, then the obsession is lifted. And if, you need, if you're going to wait around trying to analyze why it's lifted, when it gets lifted, under what scientific, you know, how, 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 how do I square this? You may die in the process of that analysis. You might. So what I would suggest to anybody, you know, you can be too smart for this program. I hope that doesn't light up your brain. Yes, I can. Yes, I can, Larry. I'm glad you said that, my friend. Now, you can be too smart for this program, you know, in terms of paralysis, trying to get all your ducks in a row, trying to analyze everything. It's not about science. It's not about science. I don't care what your IQ is. I don't care how magnificent you are in your career, in your life. I don't care if, what measures you have in societal terms of the success. You might have a beautiful home, a car, a loving partner, family, every bit of evidence that shows what a, you know, how magnificent your life is, other than the fact that you're dying in this disease. It doesn't matter. The point is, is we have to, and we don't have a monopoly on, on forming this aligned relationship with our higher power. But nonetheless, for me, as a compulsive overeater, someone with an alcoholic mind that clearly had to diagnose myself, and the big book tells us precisely how to do that. And once I'm convinced of that and I'm able to diagnose myself, I realize that regardless of what I think about it, how smart I may think I am, that at some point, it took this process, this precise process that produced the essential psychic change that changed me as a man. I've never been the same. 
Never been the same. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And now all I get to do is have the opportunity to carry this message. And what a, what a, what a beautiful, beautiful thing it is. Um, wow, I can go on and on, but you're probably tired of hearing me talk. Um, Leah, I'm going to pass with that, and maybe we can open up some questions if that's okay. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Larry, for your presentation this morning. Thanks for sharing your personal experience and insights with all of us. Larry's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording. Stay tuned for that. And now we will open the floor for questions for Larry. You can do so by pressing star 1 to unmute and identify yourself, please. This is Laura G. I have a question for Larry. Hi, Laura. One moment. Anyone else? Martha S. Martha. S. Who else? Maureen M. Maureen. Anyone else? Hi, this is Holly from Holly S. from Texas. Um, Holly S. Florida. I didn't catch Florida. Maureen H. Maureen H. Excellent. Let's stop there. So, Laura G., go right ahead with your question, please. Thank you. Am I being heard? Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Larry, I was hoping you would uh, um, touch on the... um, Okay, the question is, when you first came into program, I touched on it, as we all know, that um, obstinate and um, almost like feet in the sand behavior. Um, if you could just touch on how long it took you. Um, I know it, it's never ending until we die. I know that. But how long it took you to kind of like let off the brake just a little bit and um, start trusting and um, especially uh, depend on the we, which uh, is so overlooked, I think, in the in um, some of our um, – you know, thinking like the we all over the book is about connecting. And um, so I know that's been a big process for me. Thank you. Okay. Sure, sure. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm asked that from, from time to time, you know. Um, and, and sometimes I wonder, you know, um, you know, what is it that the person, you know, because they're, <laughs> I, I wanted to know that too. And I heard some people that, well, you know, uh, some people get it right away. We, we hear people that share, you know, they've been in program for 10 and 20 and 30 years. It's like, oh, dear God, please let that not be me. <laughs> um, I can tell you for me, I'll just share my own experience that, um, look, I, I came into program um, and it was uh, approximately five years of just uh, more suffering, mayhem, uh, you know, tornado kind of existence where I was still roaring through people's lives. Um, and, you know, I don't know that there's, any, you know, that there's any, it's like, because I think what I, really what I wanted to know, and you may be different than me with regard to the question is, I wanted to, there was, there was some degree of um, wanting to compare a little bit just to kind of see, like, because like, I knew, you know, as I've been in program a year, I'm like, well, I see a lot of people not getting it. You know, you're fine. It's going to take, it's a process, Larry. 
you know, um, but um, if I could tell anybody, no matter how long you've been in program, um, that there isn't a precise prescription for what, you know, how we get to that level of desperation because here's the, and here's one of the issues. One of the problems is if you're, if you're on this line, in my opinion, not, not this line this morning, but if you, if you get the opportunity to hear some people on vision, that's a miracle. That, that's a miracle because in my opinion, you're hearing, there's nothing special about, there's something very special about vision and the people on vision. You're hearing people, many people, not all people, but many people who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And one of the issues, though, is if you could, I started out by talking about, you know, uh, the state of, my, my perception of the state of Overeaters Anonymous and 12-step and, and programs in general that are not uh, delivering this clear, precise message because of the watering down and the sort of the, the telephone game, you know, where it's a lot of, you know, information seeps in there. But in answer to your question, yeah, there was, uh, it was about a five-year struggle. I don't know what, if there was a tipping point at that point. I'd like to tell you that I was, not would like to tell you, but it, it would be kind of a, a clean thing if I can say, well, you know what, five years in, uh, there I am again with my fist in a bakery box, as I heard Leah say, and like that, you know, and, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm in this fetal position in the corner of my room in tears, you know, and that was what it took. No, it really was not quite that eventful. Um, you know, what does it take for us to get beaten into a state of reasonableness? You're lucky if you get beaten into a state of reasonableness and you, <laughs> you're poised to, 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 to move forward with these precise instructions. But that was part of my story. It was five years. I know others, you know, much longer. Um, but I, what I'd love today is how can we shorten that process for people? If you're here, what a miracle. And if you can shorten that process, by uh, hearing a message of hope from people who have recovered and they're telling you unequivocally that if you at any point, wherever you are, whatever you know, however long you've been around program, if you are willing and only you can provide the willingness to subject yourself to this pr precise process and you couldn't do it perfectly if you tried, so you might as well detach from that, but you follow it precisely and you of course put your heroin down, right? That's, that's a given you will experience a change that rarely do we see a person fail who has thoroughly followed this path. But for me, that's what it was. I don't think there was any magic in that period of time or any great epiphany, but that's what it took. It took what it took for me, and that's what it took for me. So hope that helps a little bit. It does. Thank you. Thanks, Laura G. Martha S. Hi. Thank you, Larry, so much for your sharing today, and thank you, Leah, for your service. This is Martha S. in upstate New York. I was thinking about the whole recovered versus recovering thing. Um, in my live meetings that I go to, we all say, uh, I'm Martha, I'm a compulsive overeater. But with a year of being a feeling like I'm recovered and actively working or living in steps 10, 11, and 12 every day, I would love to say, hi, I'm Martha, I'm a recovered overeater, but I'm not sure if that's helpful to newcomers or helpful to the people in the meeting who've been in the program a long time and uh, are having trouble maintaining their abstinence. Um, 
but I think it might be good for for people to hear that that people are recovered because when we say I'm Martha, I'm a compulsive overeater, it kind of implies that I'm still struggling from day to day, and I don't feel that I am. I'm I'm trudging the road of happy destiny. I'm doing the work, but I don't feel like I'm struggling. Um, I'm wondering if you have an opinion on that that you'd be willing to share. Thank you. I do, I do, Martha. Thanks for the question. You know, we're we we um we're very. I don't know if the politically correct is a because it's recovered, recover, recovering. You know, it's not like a, it's not like a swear word, right? Um, but but when I share that I'm you know in a face to face meeting, I'm Larry recovered, compulsive reader. You know, um, I may be, I may disturb some people. You know, and and may, and that may be all to the good. It, it has proven that way for me. It's no longer about me and my own pride and my own, um, this, it's my ego that wanted to be uh, perceived in a very nice way. I don't want to make any waves. Don't want to. Now, I don't come in there with uh, ego. Hey, yo, you know, I'm recovered and you're not. Drop the mic. You know what I mean? I mean, right? That's not happening either. I get the opportunity to say, you know, I'm a recovered compulsive reader and you know, let me tell you, you know, what that means to me, you know, um, that being recovered, obviously, I'm not cured of anything. I wouldn't be here if I, if recovered meant cured. But, you know, in the big book, it talks about, you know, being recovered. And that's what my experience is today. And I just share them honestly. So I might have disturbed them. But I share honestly, you know, and usually we get an opportunity to do that, or, or even after the meeting, that what that means to me today is that, as a result of following these precise instructions in, in the big book, um, that, uh, that, that I had a, some sort of psychic change. The, the big book talks about psychic change, personality change. They also use that synonymously with a spiritual awakening. And something happened to me to where that obsession, that obsession was lifted. It was as though it was pulled right out of me. And I couldn't tell you a point in time when it was, but you know, and see, my life today, can you imagine? Maybe you've experienced this too, I'll tell people, you know, but maybe they haven't. Can you imagine what it feels like to not have to be battling with the food every day, being out of the food? You might hear, and you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced this. When we are not battling with the, you know, it was harder when the food was down and I couldn't numb out from the, the stuff that happened in life. So when that obsession is lifted, now I have energy to be able to live my life, and I have a, a design for living that works. I have a mechanisms in place within this program to, you know, see, the point is, is that it gives us the opportunity to explain what it means to us. And you know what? People can hear humility. Sometimes we can't define it, but we, 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 we know it when we hear it. Because i got to tell you, I'll, I'll just leave it at this. If you, if you liked anything that I said, and, and, you know, um, <laughs> I'm gonna, I stole this from Leah. I use it all the time. Um, she taught, she, one time she, she said to me, um, I was complimenting her. I think it was in a text. And she said, well, well, thank you for noticing God's handiwork. Now, I'm putting the emphasis there because <laughs> I picture Leah saying that. Thank you for noticing God's handiwork. But, you know, you can hear humility, you know, giving credit to where credit is due. You know, you can hear humility. Now, but if you if you hear that in my voice or someone else who's recovered today, you know, um, but you met me, let's say you met me and I'm 500 pounds. Well, something's not congruent there, right? 
Something's not something's the walk walk isn't matching the talk talk much. But if you if you talk about being a recovered compulsive overeater and they see the humility, you know, and I, I work on that, talking about, you know, I'm a different person and share the humility of what what um this higher power, my own understanding, what this higher power has done for me. Um people do not it's you know, you don't get that big shotism. I, I hope I don't come across with that big shotism like look at me. Look at what I did for myself, you know. So I don't know if that helps a little bit, but I think I've uh, over time I've, I've I've talked about being a recovered compulsive overeater in other meetings where it might not be used, and then it opens the door. It may disturb some people, um, which might speak more about where they are right now, which is fine. Um, and but then it it also opens the door for opportunities to talk about just what that means to me. So I hope that helps a little bit anyway. Yeah, thank you. That was very helpful. Thank sure, you. sure. Thank you, Martha S. Maureen M., your turn. Hi, good morning. My name is Maureen M. from New York. Um, sometimes I feel like a recovered compulsive disordered reader, and then other times I feel like, you know, am I just recovering? I mean, I know... It's about seven months now, and I went through the steps rather quickly with my sponsor. I think I re- I'm really grateful for that, and um, I'm grateful for your service and your share, Larry and Leah. Um, but sometimes I lose, um, you know, not lose it, but my willingness and my resistance um, is down. You know, I've had some experiences. Um, my resistance is up, my willingness is down because I've had uh, a couple of experiences with trying to offer working with people on the doctor's opinion and, you know, I have the fantasy of how that's going to go, of course, and then there was the reality. And it was difficult. And I'm going to continue because I think that for me is the difference between being enthusiastic and enduring, um, remembering that there's someone out there who will be willing. I was willing. I was desperate enough. I was suicidal. Um, I I would have done anything my sponsor told me to do and I did. Um, Now she tells me to help people and I'm Having character defects just pop up like, uh, you know, poppies in a huge field, and I'm just forgetting that I'm a conduit, you know, for which a higher power sends the strength and the energy uh, that people need. And that's all. I I don't know. Like, I don't want to – I'm trying to find the balance between supporting someone but not supporting them too much and getting to the work because I know for me getting to the work was the key to balancing my emotions. Once, of course, I put down the food for three weeks before I even embarked on this. Um, So that's where I'm at. I mean, you know, I'm worried that, you know, my strength, and my belief in a higher power sometimes um, 
my character defect was just taking some time to uh, move through. And then I didn't do a 10-step yesterday, and I should have, and I isolated, and it kind of fell back into old patterns. So, uh, you know, am I recovering or am I recovered? You know, I, you know, feeling recovered means I don't feel like that anymore. And that's my question. Am I going to feel like that sometimes and just pray? Thanks. I, th- I think it's a good question, you know, and so I'll, <clears throat> I'll go, I'll go to the big book, you know, when we're, <clears throat> when we completed this, the, the, uh, the, the action steps and, and, and we get, you know, uh, we're, we're through step nine and on into step 10 and it talks about, um, you know, we, we read the promises, right. And they cut, let's be clear, they come and, and again, we're in the chapter into action um, and I'm reading right here, you know, and it talks about that if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, we're going to be amazed for we're halfway through, you know, as we're in step nine. That was the case for me. Um, but what it goes on from there, you know, it talks about <clears throat> knowing a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity. We will know peace. Now, it, it talks a little bit more about you know, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. You know, for me, and I, I guess I, that's where my thoughts go when you're, when you're talking about this, there was, when this, when this happened to me at first, it was new. You know, it was new. It was going to evolve. God, God was going to use me. Remember, the whole purpose here is to be of maximum service to God and to those about us. And, and what I have found is that by going through this process, um, the confidence that comes from, you know, from, from, from my higher power, you know, that I began to, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. It has dissipated over time. It so has my, my, my interest in selfish things, you know, more and more I gain interest in our fellows, but, and self-seeking will slip away, right? Um, so what I would tell you is, is this process of the unfolding, this is just my experience, others can share with you theirs, but this process of, of the spiritual awakening that has happened for me continues to grow and expand and unfold. Remember, when we're now in steps 10, 11, and 12, it talks about, you know, the maintenance and growth because we have to remain in fit spiritual condition. But I don't, I'm not, over time, I know in the beginning, I was so used to waiting for the shoe to drop. That's what I hear, you know, sometimes with people, and I hear a little bit in your, embedded in your question is, because we're so used to waiting for the shoe to drop, you know, so we're waiting, oh boy, you know, is this just, that? that's all the experiential evidence we've had up to that point, which is probably decades for many of us. So there's a fear, but you know, that fear dissipates over time. And, you know, so the notion of being recovered has some caveats, right? Has some caveats. It tells me the big book instructs me very clearly in how to maintain and grow, which, is, which has been, you know, that that's been so um, freely given to me. So I think what I've noticed is, I mean, if you think, you probably don't think much about it, but I, I just want to make this statement that I, you know, I'm on the vision line and I do this service, you know, one, it's, 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 I love it, love doing it. Right. But the other thing is that, oh, you know, it's just out of a, a what a charitable person. Let me tell you something. I busted windshields and chewed people up and spit them out. Okay. 
and and so if some of you some of you are still there i'm not that same man anymore but um my point is is that god has changed me so i'm i'm certainly motivated but not out of fear but i'm motivated out of just a, a i don't know there's something there's some force that pulls me into wanting to carry this message of hope to other people because i've experienced such a dramatic such a dramatic change from one end of the spectrum to another so I think over time, you begin to grow in confidence, only a confidence that, that is provided by your higher power. And you can, you begin to trust in that. And that happens over time, I think. At least that's been my experience. So I hope that helps with that. Yes, it does. I get be patient. Thank you, Maureen. Thank okay. you. Holly, yes. And good morning. Thank you, Leah, for your service. Um, thank you, Larry, for sharing this morning. Um, I have had a very interesting time since I've been with uh, Vision for You. I'm, I, I still consider myself a newcomer, but not to OA. And um, I counted up recently. I, I, I've been in the doors in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out of OA since I was 16. That's about 35 years and lots and lots of discouragement and um, decided to step out this week and um, I went to a face-to-face and experienced the same thing. Um, I I truly, okay, I get to work on this because I came with expectations. That's something else going on. But um, I I wanted to ask you if you could, Larry, please speak to to this idea that – at this speaker meeting, it was shared that if a person has not put down the food by step three, then they need to go back to step two. And I'm not going to go on any further. Would you share your experience from the big book um, about that faulty message? And, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Sure, sure, you bet. Yeah, well, well, it is a faulty message. Is you know, it's probably, <laughs> probably someone. And I don't stand in judgment of that person. I hope you don't hear that from me. Uh, I'm not in a position to judge anybody else. But, um, but you know, if something doesn't coincide with what, what has gotten me well, which is these words in this text, then you know, I, you know, then I question it. So. You know, if I hear that sort of thing, look, I, you know, we don't have to go far in the big book to, to hear about the notion of putting our heroin down. I like to call it heroin. <laughs> you probably get that picture because I like the message that that, that sends uh, me and others, you know. talks about, for example, in the doctor's opinion, um, uh, it says, of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor. And this often requires a, a definite hospital procedure before psycho, psychological measures could be of maximum benefit. Um, and, and that's just one. And there's, there's other, um, there, there's other, you know, other uh, clear, concise messages in the big book that, that let us know, look, Larry, you know, um, your, your heroin has to be down. And, and sometimes when I tell people, I, I don't debate with anybody, I don't get in any of that. I just carry the message uh, of truth that I, that I um, hear in these, in these printed pages. Um, 
you know, but, but sometimes, you know, I'll tell people if, you know, because someone might talk to me and they're, they're, they're still playing. See, I remember what it's like to still dabble in my heroin because I remember what it was like. And I hadn't, you know, they say step one, you know, it's the only step we have to take perfectly. Of course, human beings, there's nothing we can do perfectly. But the point is, is that I had to concede to my innermost self that I was a real compulsive reader and, and, and making that concession, you know, and, you know, uh, the words were cheap. My words were cheap. It's my actions. If you're done and you put your heroin down, you put the syringe down, okay, you got, you got, a, you got a chance. But can you imagine if uh, right now, wherever you are, I know like in the Chicago area, I think I'm safe in saying that somebody has just put their syringe down last night. They were doing, heroin's not hard to get from what I understand. In my field, I deal with people and, you know, it's not hard to get. Okay, so they have just made the decision. They've been persuaded. Maybe they overdosed and they just put their syringe down, right? They took the band off their arm. They put the syringe down. And maybe at some point they dry out and they are ready to crawl out of their skin. They may have hallucinations, sweating, vomiting, you know, all manner of just disgusting, you know, things that you can imagine. And I mean, you know, maybe beyond what we experience with food, but, you know, some of us have experienced pretty strong uh, uh, discomfort. And they have to, at this point, before they're presented with maybe a solution, if they're lucky enough, a solution in the 12 steps, which I believe, if you're a true addict, um, they, they, their brain has to be cleared before you can, before uh, these, these, these steps, these psychological measures can be of maximum service um, to them. And so you got to be freed from that physical uh, craving. And so, yeah, my opinion is it's not, you know, like, oh, it's got to be done. It's got to be down. You got to be down. It's got to be down before. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, talk to you while you're still high, you know, uh, about the steps. You're not going to have the clarity of mind. Oh, oh, your, your IQ is 160. Great. You're a genius, but you're a high genius. So, so genius, get off the food, <laughs> get off the heroin, and then, and then we'll talk, you know. So that's kind of where I stand in there, and, and you know, I, get, I don't get into so much of a debate, but when I, when, I, when I hear things that are, you know, this is, again, the watering down of the message and people playing telephone and, you know, they're just repeating something they heard or they're coming up with other things that are, do not coincide with what's in the text. And, um, and, and you know, it, it does more than a disservice. It, it's... Uh, it's, it, it actually is, is moving people, in some cases, towards a, a sure death. So, anyways, I hope that helps a little bit. Thank you. Thanks, Holly. Maureen H. Yes, hello. This is Maureen H. Um, Please I'm go ahead to... with your question. Okay. I think I'm kind of piggybacking on what you just shared, but I hear a lot of speakers on this line stress the racing against time and, you know, working quickly through the steps. And um, I get that intellectually, but that wasn't my experience. I feel like it took three years to put the food down, but I had worked the steps through the periods of, you know, picking up, putting down, picking up, putting down. And, you know, consequently, my my sponsees do the same thing. Now, my sponsors always told me, hey, as long as you weren't food drunk while you were working your step four, you're fine. And at the end of the day, whatever you missed, you're going to get in your step 10, you know, 11 and 12. So 
I guess, what's your thought on that? And also, what do you do as a sponsor when you've got a sponsor you keep picking up? Like, do you say, okay, go back to reading the doctor's opinion, go back to, like, what kind of assignment do you, or what, if any, um, do you do in that situation? Thank you. Yeah, no, thanks for the question. Um, let's see, to me, you know, um, the, there are some people, and again, I, I don't know, you know, your situation and so forth, but there are people that come to this program and they might be a higher bottom too, you know, um, like I, and here would be the contrast. And this, I, I think it needs to be addressed because, um, you know, people get to this program at different, different levels. And would you, can you imagine that some people that work this program, uh, they're not compulsive readers too, you know, they, 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 food is, they may be like the heavy drinker. You know, and they they try to utilize the steps, and um, and they're able to utilize the steps and have some effect to it. But see, here's what I deal with: there are people. See, I I've been around for a little bit, and I know people that have died in this disease. They're the heroin addict, right? So they're not, you know, like they're the they're the person who I've talked to people who are 80 pounds and they can't stop vomiting, right? In secret. I've talked to people who are five, six, seven hundred pounds, and, and you know those people are going to be dead in short order. So this this disease to me um, is yes, it's cunning, baffling, and powerful, and it will kill you. Now, will it will it kill everyone? Does everyone get here? Some people get here, and they're they're not physically dying yet. They may never physically die from this disease. They may not even be a a, a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety. It may be problematic for them. So I deal with it from the standpoint of this disease as a, a deadly killing disease. And I'll give you an example, you know, how I'm motivated that way. You know, I remember a guy, he's dead now, um, sad to say, but I remember a guy that used to come to meetings, uh, a meeting I used to go to, and he'd come with the oxygen. He was probably 500 pounds, and, um, and he was, you know, he was working on and the guy was, he was under a doctor's care and the guy was starting to, you know, follow a food plan suggested by his doctor. And he was, they, I think they were just, you know, kind of throwing the spaghetti on the wall to see what sticks. And so OA was another thing and he was doing that and dabbling a bit in that. And he was also getting in the pool a little bit and moving around. And see, the thing about it is he's, he's still dead. The guy's still dead. And I remember running into this guy uh, and I don't, I don't say this lightly, it's very sad. But I remember running into him. He had been gone from the meetings for a while, and I walked into a Walmart. And lo and behold, there he was. And uh, he's a man younger than me. I'm 50, to give you some context. He's a guy younger than me. Um, he was in, a, he was in a, 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 like one of the scooters, right? You can picture it. Had his oxygen. Uh, hey, they, you know, hey, so-and-so. And, you know, and he was, you know, yeah, how you doing? I was, you know, well, good, good. Oh, that's great. You know, if you ever, if you want to talk, I said, you know, I'm happy to, if you want to, you know, work the steps, anything, yeah, yeah, I should really call you. Yeah, but, you know, Larry, what I'm doing is my doctor, I'm, I've been in the pool, and I, I've got this thing, and, um, and I'm working with my doctor, and I see a, uh, you know, a, a psychologist and all this. That's great, great, great. In the meantime, I had, I had picked up a couple of food items. He had some things, and he, he made a comment um, on one of my food items, one of my absent food items. Now, now, I was then and am now about 5'10", to give you some context, 5'10", 170 pounds. I was never his size. I was about 100 pounds heavier when I got here. But he was commenting on, some, like, some food item or something. Oh, yeah, I heard that, that stuff's not good for you. I, my doctor's telling me to stay away from that. 
And I said, it, it wasn't, you know, I was, I used some discretion. I'll call him Joe. I said, Joe, do you have any idea how absurd, and I didn't say this from anger. It wasn't. It was from a loving place, really and truly. I said, do you have any idea how absurd that sounds? I said, you're, you're dying of this d- disease, buddy. You know, I said it with love and compassion as best I could. I knew it was in my heart. And, he, and, and, and you know, he is dead today. And I, I'm sad. To, that's sad. So I, I really approach it there, you know. Yeah, the heroin has to be down to, to move on with this. I hope that helps. That's just my opinion. Thank you, Maureen H. Thank you very much. Larry, I want to be respectful of your time. You want to take a couple more questions, or would you like sure. to wrap up? Well, I want to be respectful of your time, too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's, we could take a couple more. Sure. Okay, let's do that. Okay, are there any other people who have questions for Larry this morning? Kathy K. Cassandra A. Kathy K. Cassandra A. Did I hear another voice in there? Yes, Donna. I'm in the R in Oregon. H. I hear oh. Oregon. Oregon, what's your name? Mary Lee R. Mary Lee R. Okay, you're going to need to speak up when, when it's your turn. And then I believe I heard another voice in there. Linda H. California. Linda H. Okay, we're going to go with that. We're going to go with Kathy K., Cassandra A., Mary Lee R., and Linda H. Okay, Kathy K., go right ahead. Thank you, Leia, for your service, and thank you, Larry. It was great to hear you today. And I want to pose a question to you that I'm posed with often, and I'm not quite sure how to answer it. So when I finish working with sponsees and um, they are recovered, um, they often uh, wonder if they are recovered um, because they, like me, they will have moments or even days when they are back in resentment or fear or self-pity um, and so as a result of those experiences, they think, uh, and I've thought this on occasion, perhaps we're not recovered. My understanding from the big book, uh, when it speaks about um, step 10, I believe, it does say that um, when resentment or fear crop up, we take the following action. So. I've been telling myself and others that if the compulsion has been removed and if you're working the steps on a daily basis, you are recovered. But I I think on this line we often give the impression that if we're recovered, we don't have those moments or days of despair, and I just thought I would invite you to speak about that. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy, for that question. Yeah, I would love to speak about that. Um, yeah, you're, 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 you're right on with that. I, in my experience, um, step 10, when we, when we read about that, it tells us, you know, again, we know it, it, so we've completed the process. The obsession has been lifted, right? And there's, there's more work. There's more work that needs to be done. We, we trudge this road, but even then in step 10, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't have it in front of me at the moment. I stepped outside. It's nice out here today. Um, it, it says, it doesn't say, and I stress with people, it doesn't say, um, if these crop up, <laughs> it says when these crop up, which of course, Kathy, as you know, that's, that has the, 
presumption that they're going to crop up. Now, let me speak from my own experience. So uh, does fear, look, I got here with uh, a diagnosed anxiety disorder. I still have that disorder. Okay. It didn't, life still happens. I could sit here all day long and tell you that I, well, listen, Kathy, you know, I have a genetic predisposition towards uh, my limbic system is not as good as yours. And, um, you know, there's all that. And, you know, I don't get into the debate. I, life still happens. I still, um, uh, I had eye laser surgery a few years ago. Guess what? One of my eyes, I woke up yesterday, yesterday morning. It, it, I swear, I went, I went to get an eye, uh, I went to go have an eye doctor's appointment. It, it almost went back to what it was like before. Am I recovered? Oh, indeed I am. I'm recovered today. Things come up. I can only imagine, I hate to pick on Leah, but I, I really respect Leah, so many people online. I can only imagine with all her children and all the goings on and this and that, that, um, yeah, I bet you some resentment, some fears, some self-seeking, you know, behavior, some self-centeredness may crop up. Even, wait a minute, even after 30-some years in program, isn't she, or, you know, uh, she's been programmed longer than I have. I mean, you know, no, we, 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 life, we, we can't have an experience outside a human experience. So, um, you know, the storm comes. It's, you know, it's, it's either in your life now in some way, shape, or form. There's someone sick in your life. You have your own issues at times, or it's on its way. But so, too, is the ability to transcend that. I'm recovered today. The obsession has been lifted, but there was never a promise that my life would be perfect. That was, that was my own, you know, my own ego that would suggest that really what I want is to experience no discomfort, but it comes. I'm in a physical body. It comes. Uh, my mother went through, you know, some major health issues. Yeah, there's some pain. My daughter just moved away uh, down to Florida. I don't like that very much. Um, so what I would say is, is that how do I know that I'm recovered today? I know that I'm recovered today. The obsession has been lifted. I have not found it necessary, not even close, no matter all, whatever's going on, to pick up my binge substances. And somehow this, the progression of the spiritual awakening continues to evolve too. So I, these opportunities to turn my thoughts to someone else that could help, they come up. So what I would tell people is take it easy, chill out. You know, now, you know, um, if we don't do the things to remain in fit spiritual condition, you know, there's also a result there. But I think over time, I don't live in fear of that. I know that things can get tough, that it, the clouds can roll in. But I, and I tell people, you can trust in, 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 you can trust in the confidence that your higher power is giving you. And all you need to do now, and I assure them, is to proceed forward with living in steps 10, 11, and 12 to the best of your ability with where your awareness is now. Take it easy. That's what I tell people. So that I'll pass. Thanks for the question, Kathy. Thanks, Thanks, Kathy. And Cassandra A., questions, please? Go ahead. Hi, this is Cassandra A. Hello? Yep. Your turn. Question, okay. please. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, first of all, thank you, Larry, so much for your qualification. I really gained so much from it. And I feel like my question is basically going to be around uh, the same topic as other people. Um, so, like, I'm on my sixth step right now, and I've been really struggling when I've gone through, like, certain major steps, like step four or uh, step six right now. Um, I have a tendency to pick up, 
Um, I'm basically I had like a binge last night and even around my step four. And after that, I got back, and it's just really been hard because I don't know if it's like I just need to start again from step one. I just finally told my sponsor, but I just been really struggling when I face these major steps or feelings come up that are major. Like I still don't have that sense. I don't know if it's supposed to be recovery or what, where I just get overwhelmed with the feelings and emotions, and I know I need to sit with the discomfort, but it's just been um, really tough, and I just, you know, it's almost – I don't know, I'm getting to the point, which I re- that's why your qualification really resonated with me, because I'm doing the steps, but I'm almost starting to think maybe it's not for me, because it's not working so much, and um, I finally got to a point where I realized I probably need to, uh, that I am going to use my nutritionist plan. My sponsor basically suggested I don't need to measure and weigh, like I can just pray before I eat, and I'll be fine, and da-da-da, but I've been realizing, especially after my step four, and like still like struggling to release the weight, I need to just pick a structured plan, and just really weigh and measure, and I did have some hesitancy about surrounding it, um, but uh, today's day one in terms of the new plan and everything, but I don't know what suggestions or advice you can offer, because I, I, I'm kind of like, at my wit's end with this thing. Um, yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, sure. I, I mean, I, you know, I can just speak, speak from my own experience. Um, yeah, I, this, this is a cunning, baffling, powerful disease. It talked about that, talks about that in the big book, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and for me, the, um, you know, I, I, and again, I don't know your experience, you know, but I can just share with you mine. Um, I dabbled in the steps. Mostly what I wanted was to be able to have my cake and eat it too. You know, I wanted to be able to eat but be thin. I, I, I really had not experienced the sequential changes that are offered as a result of, of working these steps precisely. I never gave myself a chance. Maybe you have. But I, I could tell you that if someone would have, would have approached me and raised those kind of rhetorical questions I think I might have, knowing where I was at different times, I think I might have defended. I might have felt maybe a little bit less than or, oh, man, and, and just maybe been discouraged. But really, this program was very simple. It was, it was made for a guy like me, just simple. Again, I was a math avoider. I was complexity, just scared the daylights out of me. It was very simple. I just needed to work the steps precisely. Look, if I'm in the food, if I'm, if I'm dabbling in the food, you've got to determine for yourself what your bin substances are. That's for sure. They may be different than mine. But you know what? I had to be rigorously honest with myself. And if I'm dabbling in my substance, just getting a little bit of heroin, just a little bit, I mean, come on, just a little bit, you know, then I'm still in step one. These steps for me, they may work for you. They've never worked for me not a true compulsive overeater because I would not have the clarity of mind. I wouldn't be freed from the, the physical craving from the allergy of the body would be, um, I would be uh, triggering the allergy of the body. And then of course that whole cycle that they talk about in the doctor's opinion, I'd be off and running. And then, you know, cause for me, it was all about getting, I, I, I pursued the, the Veruca. Remember Veruca in Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. That's the, 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 the little girl. You know, who wanted an Impa Loompa. Daddy, I want an Impa Loompa. And you know when I want it, Daddy? I want it now. And that was how I approached it. <laughs> I wanted the, to be able to have a little bit of heroin, to be thin. 
I wanted to, yes, I wanted to change. I wanted to be able to treat people nicer. I didn't want to bust out windshields. I didn't want to chew up people and spit them out. I wanted to be closer with people when I wanted on my terms. See, I was still, for me, and you may be different, but I was still self-centered to the extreme, and it would take, uh, it would take this program of action, work precisely with the food down, conceding to my innermost self that, I, yes, indeed, I was a true compulsive reader. I understand the problem. I'm beginning to slowly understand the solution to the problem, and now I need to bring that solution to light by chopping my wood, working these steps. So I don't know if that resonates at all for you, but I hope that helps. It does. But I'm just wondering, should I just take time away from the steps right now and just focus on just really following the food plan um, to the T and just making sure the food is down, or do I just keep continuing at this point? Yeah, no, for me, for me, if I'm in, if I'm, if I'm shooting my, if the syringe is out, I'm on step one. If the syringe is out, now, if I'm on, if I'm uncertain, if I'm, I don't know what heroin looks like. I don't know. Maybe it's heroin, maybe it's not. Then I need to back up a little bit and get clear on what my heroin is. You know, um, I tell you this, no doctor, a doctor, a nutritionist, we, you know, we do talk about those things, but I mean, they don't know what my heroin is necessarily they, they might tell me what they're what they think but um you know for me um you know some well-intentioned people might tell me look we're going to teach you how to moderate your heroin we're going to teach you how to live a little better so that you can live by just taking out the syringe a little bit every so often and somehow you'll be able to deal with injecting wrapping that band around your arm that would never work for a guy like me now if i wasn't a heroin addict Maybe I could get away with that, but I don't know about you, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap that band around my hand, around my arm and look for the vein in the dark and, and inject it even just with a little bit, no matter how much someone told me that we can teach you how to moderate your heroin. So I don't know. That's about the best I can answer there. I hope it helps. Thank you, Cassandra A. Mary Lee R. Mary Lee, there you are. Speak up, please. I have two questions, and they've both been answered. So blessings and peace to everyone. Thank you. Well, thanks, Mary Lee. Appreciate that. And our final question for this morning comes from Linda H., Hi, good morning. Um, thank you so much for your service, Leah. It's wonderful to hear you on the line all the time, and I so appreciate your, um, Larry giving this service to us. I think you might have already answered my question, but I, I don't want to take a chance on missing this opportunity. Um, I've been um, in OA for 30-some years, been going in and out of uh, different fellowships, um, and have lost and gained 50 pounds many times over. Uh, I'm now 67. I am at an uh, unhealthy weight. Uh, and really, I mean, at my age, I need to be able to get rid of the excess weight. Um, <clears throat> I'm not a binger. I think I've come to believe, like Charles said, uh, on one of the um, special editions, I eat too much. <laughs> And so I do um, weigh and measure uh, sometimes, you know, when I'm home. 
Um, but I'm not a binger. And my brain, you talked about, you know, you can't trust your brain. My brain, uh, the obsession that I have is the debate over what to eat, when to eat, how to eat. Uh, it seems like I want to um, change the plan all the time. And um, I'm definitely at the effect of mental obsession. And I, I want the brain to stop. I need to disengage my brain. Um, I found vision back in April and I've been working the steps with several different sponsors that people kind of come and go and I'm, I'm in the process of trying to find a new sponsor, but, um, I'm not binging, but I do eat volume. So the answer to me is to, of course, weigh and measure, but I guess what I'm asking is it's not so much the allergy of the body or is it? Uh, and the second question is, how do I get to quiet the mind? Because it's it's the obsession that um, I need relief from. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Sure. Well, again, I <clears throat> I'm no guru on this stuff. That's for sure. I'm just a guy that's had this um, experience. It could be different than others too. Um, the uh, yeah, I mean, I had yeah issues with quantity. I had issues with you know different alcoholic substances, if you will, heroin, if you will. Um, I had to look at those underlying substances and get clear on what those were. But yeah, I had issues with quantity. Look, I, I never, I, I, I could eat one apple <laughs> to get, just to use this as an example. And when I got done, even when I, you know, even as a compulsive reader, I could eat one apple. And when I got done eating an apple, I did not, like, I was not driven to eat uh, 10 more apples. Okay. But, um, for me, for example, I never ate one, uh, you know, sugary dessert. I know one Oreo unless it was the last one in the, in the, in the bag, you know, I never, I never had a portion of, you know, a portion, a reasonable portion of pizza. Okay. So was it Oreos and pizza? Was that my issue? No, I had to look at the underlying substances found in those in combination. For me, it was, you know, certain things in combination. And yeah, those were, sure, I had a problem with quantities of ice cream and sugary dessert items and salty, savory, crunchy things for sure. Okay, but um, I just, this wasn't about food for me. Now, I don't know if you're a compulsive reader, but the big book helps you to determine that for yourself, whether someone's 16, 57, 87, 67, doesn't matter. You know, uh, I think it still works today. Um, you know, you can you can step over to the nearest uh, bakery or the nearest you know bar, or and and you can you can quickly determine you know that for yourself. I think one of the troubling things sometimes for people is I know for me you might sound it may, it may sound like you're a little bit like me that I really can analyze something uh, to death. Ultimately, I think I had to do to the best of my ability to get clear on what my binge substances were, put those down entirely. And if I, if I am a true compulsive reader um, and then embark on this practical program of action, even if I've dabbled in it, tried it um, different times, but work it precisely end to end in sequence uh, and then watch what the higher power of your understanding does for you in the way of effectuating change. Watch, I've seen people, people that, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know, I've seen people, oh my gosh, they've changed, profoundly changed, and they didn't think it was possible because for them, because here's the thing, we do not know what we do not know. 
You know, we can't, we can't go where we haven't been. So we have to, on some level, I think we have to trust in the process, a process that's been here since this book was published in 1939, trust in the process. And I would say, you know what, you, when you do that and you chop your wood, eventually the oak will fall. But it won't be because you chop harder, faster. It's just following the process precisely, detaching from the outcome as best you can. And that leads into the obsession. Yeah, many of us are obsessive people by nature. I know I am. So the best I can do is, is, you know, is to try my best each day to detach from outcome. And one of the ways I do that is to subject myself to these, these instructions and just work them to the best of my ability and then watch what happens. Because if it, when it happens to you, I'll wrap up by saying when it happens to you, oh, my goodness, see, there's someone out there that needs to hear your message and only the way that you can deliver it based on your experience. And so you need to recover not just for you. If you are a true compulsive overeater or a true addict, we need to recover because then we can be of maximum service, you know, to, to, to our creator and to those about us. So I don't know if that's, uh, that helps a little bit, but I, I thanks, thank you for the question. Thank you, Linda. Yes, thank H. you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Linda, and thanks to everybody who asked questions this morning. And, of course, thank you so much, Larry Kay, for your service to all of us this morning. We really appreciate it. I'm going to end the meeting from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.